0: Okay, hello and welcome to another episode of EdTech Today. I'm Kevin Hogan, I'm glad you found us. Uh, With me today, Tish Nurikar. Tish is the education business leader for Cognizant and Cognizant is a leading provider of information technology consulting and business process services. Uh, The news here this week is that Cognizant just came out with a study called uh, the work ahead in higher ed, repaving the road for the employees of tomorrow. Uh, In this study, it reveals that the disruption for students and educators caused by, yes, we still have to talk about it, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, that has only just begun with 45% of educators believing that the pace of that disruption is accelerating. So, Tish, uh, thank you so much for joining me today, and thank you for your time.
1: Thank you very much for finding the opportunity to meet with me today. Really excited about the topic.
0: Well, yeah, you know, and uh, really tired of talking about it. Uh, Really wish it was over, but, uh, you know, COVID 19 uh, continues to disrupt all aspects of our lives and specifically in education as we're looking towards going back to school. I know everyone was hoping, both at the K 12 level and at the higher ed level, that things might be returning to normal. Doesn't really exactly feel that way. Uh, The work that you've done over the past year and the numbers, that you've collected are a really important piece of evidence to why that is happening and what exactly is happening. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your experience putting
1: together this survey? Sure. Um, so, when we did this survey, and of course, the work ahead is a much broader series that went across close to, a, I think, three to 4,000 different respondents in different industries and sectors, um, education being one of those sectors where we did this survey. And the primary vision behind that uh, work ahead series was to really look at that stage in what's unfolding as a result of the post-pandemic environment, and we then went deeper down into separate sectors, and education being one of them. Um, obviously, the industry is changing in the last 12 months, and you know, if you think about edtech or education particularly, you know, people have talked about you know, education and uh, an area where disruption is needed to happen for many, many years. And it really required some sort of a trigger. Unfortunately, it turned out to be pandemic that was that trigger last year. Um, And, um, you know, we were really um, intrigued with the response that you could see from the student population that is getting ready to get into college and future education, uh, who is really causing this acceleration or this trigger to happen. You know, simply put, you know, the space uh, which used to be in higher ed where you would think of a university being the place where a student would want to join and the relationship was more about the student seeking a university, I think is likely to change in a place where a student is like a consumer and saying that, why should I go to your university? That's the kind of mindset that's coming about right now. And I feel that's the trigger behind uh, this hit series and what we're seeing in education and why this change is likely to happen and why it is going to even accelerate.
0: Yeah, as uh, as a father of a, of a junior in college and one about to enter college, uh, I've, I'm experiencing that sentiment firsthand, <laughs> as, right. especially when you look at the cost considerations, right? I mean, you know, the, um, the acceleration of the, the, the university costs is something that has really kind of thrown what that experience is and what it's supposed to be uh, as you said even before the pandemic into question and now that the the, the uh, when my college student came back and was sitting in the living room on a, on a laptop and actually her her academics didn't skip a beat um but it was the social aspects and the networking aspects and just the, the life experience of being on a campus uh is what was was thrown apart uh, we'll go a little bit deeper behind the numbers uh, and talk a little bit about those behaviors that you mentioned. Um, you know, what is it um, that universities are going to need to do in order to cater to this pivot?
1: I think uh, there are two aspects here. Um, universities first need to leverage the Uh, you know, the change and also transform their business models, if you will. And I'm calling business just to kind of compare it with the business space, not, I know university community cannot call themselves as businesses. Uh, But what I really mean is, um, you know, digital education or online education, which is coming in, it has been around for a few years, but allowing online education to be uh, a medium that enables the universities to reach far beyond that Uh, neighborhood into an international or wider population, allowing the flexibility to students to uh, disaggregate their course structures and their programs so that they can pick and choose the courses that they'd like to specialize in so that they can get their certificate or degree, allowing students to uh, create those short courses or short certificates that enable them to find a job. These are some of the things that can be possible only with infusion of technology. And what the universities really need to do is accelerate that infusion of technology into their operating models so that they can come up with such more flexible ways of doing things. I think that's one fundamental thing that the universities would need to do. And many are uh, appreciating it, but I think the pace with which this change needs to happen needs to accelerate. So that's one aspect. Um, The second aspect is um, also the fact that it's related to technology and we see this around the world. Everybody talks about things like data analytics and AI and machine learning, et cetera. I think there is a big change that's gonna happen in every industry and education not being spared over the next few years, uh, you know, maybe a decade at best, but definitely in the less, less than 10 years period. And that is the leveraging of these technologies, AI particularly, towards better student engagement you know, hyper-personalizing that whole experience, better student access, finding the right student in the right way and better student success as well so that you can find a job or get a job. Those are the things that universities would need to really spend more time in in order to make this, um, you know, a very meaningful um, you know, outcome for both the students as well as for the higher ed institutions in general.
0: Right. One interesting aspect I saw uh, talked about uh, faculty, about professors, and actually an opportunity for them to maybe increase their own individual brand versus you know the institution that they might be working for. Uh, right. It mentioned the fact that they could be, begin to franchise or license their own lessons or courses with on demand. Uh, talk a little bit about that. I mean, that, that seems like that's a, maybe taking an opportunity out of all of this disruption.
1: I uh, fundamentally believe that that's uh, a key aspect or a tenet of how education will get consumerized uh, now we people you know we we don't like to use the term consumerization in context of education sometimes especially considering the heritage of what higher ed institutions have been you know in the past decades um, but user-generated content is so valuable in every other aspect hyper personalizing that content is so valuable we've seen that in other industries like media and entertainment as well and along with that comes the value of the brand who's conveying that content. So that's the faculty, right? So if you are able to bring that content for in the forefront and if the faculty is able to do that in a very effective and an engaging way, that is only going to really help progress the experience of learning and education for the rest of the world. Um, you know, uh, And I'll take an example here. MOOCs or massive open online courses has been around for maybe about eight to 10 years now. And there was a lot of hesitation about MOOCs. People were, you know, there were very strong opinions about MOOCs uh, diluting and democratizing education. But if you look at it uh, from a certification, from a job finding standpoint, from an employability standpoint, from a capability building standpoint, and from a standpoint of really democratizing the cost of education, MOOCs has been pretty phenomenal. And, um, you know, uh, the market valuation kind of give an indication of that fact as well. Coursera, which came into being a few years back, is now one of the more valuable companies in the edtech space, as an example. edX is really recognized in that space. So what I meant is that something like MOOCs, which has been around for a few years, has started demonstrating value to this population who is looking at ways of building that certificates to find a job. And in a sense, that consumerization was possible only because you are able to give that access to the faculty Or to folks who are able to produce their own content and make it available to others, right? So it is that consumerization which is actually good for the industry, I would say. In order for the student population, the learning population around the world, to be able to find those jobs that they require to become employable in the future. So it's really it's enabled teacher agency, uh, the the technology,
0: and and especially during this past eighteen months, um, a certain agency that the, the teachers ha- have more control over themselves versus the institution and also the students you're saying I mean, they can pick and choose the programs they can pick and choose um the experiences now again it's online um but maybe when things get back to normal
1: there'll be more of a hybrid sort of situation yeah and definitely the value in education is from that hybridized model um you know you cannot uh, discount the importance of a um, faculty interaction with the student, whether it is in the form of a capstone or whether it is in the form of some sort of a certificate module that may come at the apex of an online experience. There could be various ways and they are doing that. Uh, These institutions are also doing that today. Uh, So the value of hybrid experience or hybrid learning is absolutely going to be there and going to be very important, you know, so, but, you know, it's really coming back to the changes that the models need to have in doing that effective education for this learning population for the future. Yeah, now you mentioned
0: MOOCs and um, one of my favorite education acronyms. Uh, about 10 years old now, I guess, The 10 or 12 years old would, uh, ago when I started first hearing about MIT opening up their, their, their courseware online. I think I went and I joined an astrophysics class for about four minutes <laughs> and then turned it off. Because I had no idea what was going on, but a lot of the criticisms of those were it was basically nothing more than a camera in a classroom with the with the professor teaching. Uh, since then, things the, the platforms have become more sophisticated, right? Even to the point where we're talking about uh, artificial intelligence, and I know in, in your in your research here in the surveys, you talk about how artificial intelligence should be used um, as a as a as a nudge uh, to kind of check in with students you know, chat box, texting, conversational AI. Talk a little bit about how that sophistication of the software is helping make
1: these remote and hybrid situations a reality. Yeah, so um, uh, we've talked about AI a little bit. Uh, There are technologies like augmented reality and virtual reality, uh, which are coming in. Again, uh, they've been around for some time, but the effective usage of these technologies to educate has now becoming is now becoming much more um, uh, possible and also affordable compared to what it used to be in the past. Uh, utilization of uh, Nash technologies, you know, building in those components that enable you to break learning in sizable chunks so that they can consume over these digital platforms. That's making a big difference. Um, and uh, above all, um, you know, Instructional design as a field needs to evolve with the advantage of technology coming into play. Uh, so it's, you know, it's like instructional technologies, which really need to drive the effectiveness of learning. Uh, and if you, if you utilize that in a fuller context, bringing in AI, bringing in Nudge, bringing in uh, analytics, bringing in uh, AR, VR, all these components together, then the experience can be pretty immersive. And immersive doesn't have to be your in a virtual reality with wearable glasses. It can simply be much more engaging, interactive. It is based on peer-to-peer learning, et cetera. And the platforms and the technology today can enable that to happen. You know, I'll take another example. People used to be very hesitant about usage of video. The same question that you had about MOOCs being just a talking uh, human being on the screen. But you can now use video with annotations. You can use video as a part of interactions. You can actually have, um, you know, uh, simulated voice experiences with a character or an avatar, you utilize that for role playing. There are different ways in which these technologies can be utilized to give that experience much more holistic shape. Um, and, and I think it's just the beginning to my mind, uh, as more and more AI and more and more of these technologies unfold, I think that experience is going to get richer and richer. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, especially about the video. Uh, if any behavior,
0: has been changed forever, I think is, is all of our comfort with the use of video. <clears throat> if we were having this conversation two years ago, it would not be happening this way, right? We'd, right. Be, on a, we'd be on a conference call. Uh, and now it's almost awkward to be on a conference call. Uh, and I think it's the same in the education setup. Uh, there always has been hesitancy, I think amongst faculty to be recorded, um, feeling that they're being, they're themselves being graded by their performances. Uh, the pandemic hits and everyone has to use it whether they like it or not. So uh, right. so, you, any other behaviors or, not from the technology standpoint, but more just from the, hum, the human standpoint, do you think uh, will be forever changed? I mean, like, will students
1: always have an expectation of hybrid learning? Right, well, I think um, um, the two other aspects here, uh, one is the value of coaching. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, the man and machine or the humans and machines need to work together. And there is this aspect of coaching that is required that is always going to be very valuable in the whole learning experience. So which is where the human touch comes into play, that's going to be important. And therefore, realizing that uh, skills like learning, the curiosity of learning, for example, you know, your ability to learn and learn how to learn in a sense is going to be equally important. That's a very valuable soft skill. Uh, that would need to be inculcated in the audience. The second is, uh, I think you alluded to that in the beginning a a few minutes back, but um, just as this is about teaching and training students on lifelong learners, it's also about faculty and their ability to utilize this environment, this medium. So there is a lot of support aspect involved in here that is required to make this system work efficiently and effectively. You know, faculty training is required, faculty support is required to provide that holistic experience as well. And that again, requires a lot of um, uh, aspects that goes just beyond pure technology. Yeah,
0: Uh, in your your survey, some of the results, um, you picked up the fact that the adoption of these technologies, even during the pandemic have been slow. I think the numbers here, um, the widespread implementation of AI and analytics is minimal, like only seven and 4%. Talk a little bit about what needs to happen there going forward. Um, for these technologies to be effective and for higher ed to actually keep up uh, with the
1: pace of society? So um, uh, I think the pace with which, uh, you know, the the classification of IT budgets or technology budgets that universities and higher ed in particular is doing may need to be also uh, accelerated or may need to get a better focus Um, One of the findings of our survey was that, um, you know, if you look at the edtech industry, as an example, which is the enablers of education, uh, technology into education industry, they are growing at almost 19 to 20% year on year. And the market is also expanding. But if you look at the budgets allocated on a year on year basis, the growth in budgets towards utilization of technology by higher ed, our survey shows that it was just about three and a half percent or so. That's the increase in the budgets so while the, the the system believes in the university space and the higher ed space in general that technology is essential to really transform the allocations of budgets the uh, the push towards that is not as uh, comparable to what the enthusiasm seems to indicate so that needs to happen that's the first thing that needs to happen um, and then the second is also the uh, you know the aspect of um, uh, you know technology not being just um, you know, um, um, it's, it's, it's it's a means to an end. It's not just the, it's not about just technology. There are so many other aspects. You know, um, if you look at one of the interesting findings of our survey was that we saw that IOT spending towards internet operating, uh, you know, uh, uh, internet of things was much more pronounced and accelerated compared to some of the other areas like AR and VR. And that just is an indication of the fact that campuses need to be much more smarter, safer and secure, right? And And that's what we've seen through the pandemic now that you need to create those hybrid environments uh, and safe and secure environments as well for the faculty, student and the rest of the stakeholders to interact in a uh, in a very effective way. Um, So, you know, it goes beyond just the learning aspect into other dimensions that technology is also an enabler that the university and the higher ed system should also appreciate and build into their uh, charters and more aggressively.
0: Well, I, I knew the, the hardest part of this conversation would be to end it. You have so much data here and, and so much uh, analysis that we could rake through, but let's finish up and, and talk. Um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll put you on the spot and ask you to look into your crystal ball. Uh, maybe let's, let's do a glass half full scenario. Uh, institutions begin to adopt these technologies. Maybe the, the pandemic uh, recedes to a point where we can all kind of Go back to whatever a new normal is. What do you see three or four years out, um, with all things uh, without any obstacles in our way, when it comes to the use of and the implementation of these technologies in the higher ed?
1: Well, I definitely see the uh, the combine, you know, the coming together or the collusion between the university system happening much more prominently. Uh, So going back to that theme of hyper-personalization, which is going to be the way the learner of tomorrow or the future learner is going to learn. You know, I think the world is going to shift to a point where you are able to really pick and choose those courses, experiences and certificates to create your own lifelong learning experience that gets you to a job. It will no longer be limited to a particular university or an institution. So that's one, you know, the real hyper-personalized learning experience. And the universities will really come together. I think we believe in this system. This, you know, it's, it's a very powerful system that's been around for a long time. And uh, I think the, the technology is only going to enable bringing that together. Um, and then the second aspect is uh, I would see what would, um, I mean, just going back to your glass half full theme, um, uh, it, clearly the industry who hires this talent will need to step in to kind of turbocharge this moment. And right now, we are not seeing that as much. Like, for example, you don't go into an interview and say that my LinkedIn certificate says I have a certificate in AI or cloud, and that gets me a job. Employers don't do that yet. But I think it's going to be a case where the employers are going to take that much interest. We're seeing that with the FANG who are hiring their talent directly before the talent goes to a college, as an example, right? So we're going to see that much more. And that is going to really drive this combined together and, you know, increase the uh, the transformation at a much higher pace, regardless of what happened to the pandemic in the last few months, that's personally a, an opinion of mine. So um,
0: the sheepskin itself won't be enough anymore'll need to, You'll need to detail the the programs and the courses beneath what you did and actually show some competency uh, as opposed to just saying, "I want to, to this institution or that institution." I see exactly. that as a, I, I see that as, a uh, as a net positive. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, very true. Well, once again, thank you so much for your time and for your work. Uh, it's this sort of analysis and research which is uh, is necessary to get the big picture and to you know start to uh, move institutions, especially institutions of higher ed. Uh, further, because they seem to be the the slowest on on the board. So uh, I appreciate
1: your time, Kevin. I really enjoyed the conversation. And I hope, uh, 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 you know, the uh, uh, ideas that we discuss uh, may really uh, help uh, in some way, uh, initiate some sort of transformation in this industry over the next few years. Definitely. And uh, thanks, everyone, for watching.